It is well, it is, it is well with my soul. What's up, Jesus people? It's Ursula. Hey, 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 and AJ. Welcome to the One Lost Sheep podcast. Welcome to the hardest episode we will probably ever record. (laughs) (laughs) Today is about forgiveness. And this is actually our first request from a listener. Woohoo! I know. So remember, guys, feel free to email us or reach out to us via social media if there's something on your hearts that you ever want us to get into. But back to it. We're not qualified to talk about this. So Ursula, go ahead and kick that off. Oh, awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Good luck. Wow. (laughs) No, I mean, we struggle because it's really hard to forgive. Oh, you know what happened to me last night? What? So I... I woke up in the middle of the night. Well, actually, I woke up because a child was climbing on top of me trying to get into my bed. (laughs) One of the kids. Always the kids. (laughs) And I woke up and like a Bible verse popped into my head. Okay, not the number, just the verse. So I had to look it up this morning, but it was the end of John 844. And it's talking about Satan. Um, But he says, for Satan is a liar and the father of lies. And I related it to forgiveness. Because isn't that exactly how forgiveness works? Yeah. Yeah. Satan lies to you. He makes you think, I'm getting back at this person by holding on to this grudge and carrying this. And somehow it's redeeming what happened. Or holding it over them or not talking to them. It's it's fueling you. It's making you feel better. But really, it's like eating away at you. Right. Yeah. And and so somehow Satan convinces us of this lie that not forgiving somebody and holding on to that anger is benefiting, but it's not. It's destroying us. That's the last thing God wants for us. Yeah. I think we have had so many conversations about this lately and have had a really hard time with this specific episode because we are struggling with forgiveness with ourselves, with others. So it is hard to talk about something that you have no business talking about. (laughs) (laughs) So we're just going to bring it to the Bible. We're just going to tell you what the Bible says, and that's all we can do for you. (laughs) Well, what I did notice, though, is You know, God definitely through this process of, you know, my faith just exploding. I have noticed, though, it is much easier to, you know, look back and to say, I forgive myself for this. Like, you know, okay, for example, there's something that took me almost 15 years to forgive myself for. And it was something that like what I did was I hurt someone I loved. And so for 15 years, I kept thinking about it. And I was like, why would I have done that? I, I cared about this person. What does that say about me? You know, but then one day I just looked back and it's like, I saw it with a different, with a different perspective. Not that I was all of a sudden saying, oh, it was okay what I did. But what I saw and what I felt was, you know, the truth is, and that is that I've given my life to Jesus and I've given 100% of myself to Jesus. And so he has full authority over me. And if he is saying that my sins are forgiven, but not just forgiven, but wiped clean, wiped clean as if they didn't even exist, then I have no business resurrecting it. I don't have that authority. Yeah. Over Jesus. Speaking of that, I just went and saw the movie The Blind. It's so oh, good. Oh, the Duck Dynasty guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Paul Robertson. It is so good. It is so good. Highly recommend. Hard to watch at some points, but what a redemption story. There's a part where he gets baptized and the pastor is saying like, the old you is dead. Uh-huh. He's gone. Yeah. He's dead. And I love that. I'm like, yes, the old me is dead. Because I have a hard time forgiving myself. And when I can't even think about 
AJBC before Christ. I can't, I can't, I hate that version of myself. And it is so hard. Forgiveness for me is harder for myself than I feel like I'm yeah. pretty forgiving with other people for the, for the most part. I mean, there are some things that I'm holding on to probably I've realized I need to let go and work on, but I don't know. There's something about the past me that I don't even recognize and it's hard to swallow. So when you saw that movie though, and, and they said, you know, the old you is dead. Like I was that- crying. <laughs> right I am that's dead I'm not that person anymore <laughs> but it's hard because people know that version of me you know right. uh-huh and you just have to get not you I have to get that out of my head like they don't know me anymore it doesn't matter that version doesn't matter it's hard but our story today is a good one. Oh, with the bible story our well bible story yeah like you know let's talk about that because I feel like that is it's, there's such a good message you know in this story and this particular story is from John chapter 8 and we're looking at verses 1 through 11 Jesus is teaching in the temple courts in the morning and the Pharisees bring him a woman that was caught in the act of adultery and so they say to him they're like teacher this woman was caught in the act of adultery in the law Moses commanded us to stone such women what do you say you know, and they're trying to trap him because he's either going to say stone her, or don't stone her. He's either going against the Jewish law of Moses or the Roman law. And they and really what they just want to arrest him for something. So he's stuck right now. He <laughs> he asked that, and that's what they're trying to always do to Jesus. They're trying to trap him. Yeah, but he kind of bends down and starts writing something in the sand, and and then he stands up and he says to them, "Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her." And there was cricket. Nobody. <laughs> exactly, and and so he bends down again and he starts writing in the sand and. One by one, they all leave. They all leave. And then Jesus stands up and he looks at this woman and he's like, where are your accusers? Didn't any of them condemn you? And, you know, she says, no, Lord. And he says, then neither do I condemn you. Now go and leave your life of sin. And, you know, for some reason, when I read that yesterday, it was like I looked at myself as the woman and I looked at that moment with Jesus where he's looking at me. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Go leave your life of sin. Normally, when I used to think of that moment with Jesus, that face-to-face moment, I can't tell you the amount of fear and shame and all the bad feelings that I would feel just thinking about it. But this is that moment because we are that woman. We're all the same. And and one day he's going to say, I don't condemn you. The thing that sticks with me in this story is that all of them knew that they were sinners. When he said you know, throw a stone if you are without sin. And nobody did. So they were aware that they had sinned, but yet they brought somebody else forward, somebody else that they thought was worse off than them. How easy is it sometimes to see other people's sin before your own? Oh, absolutely. And that's why Jesus said it this way, because the, the other message here is he's saying, you go ahead and stone her, but you have to first be without sin. Yeah. And in order to do that, you have to be me. <laughs> None of them could do it. And it's just a sobering message also because doesn't this story and what Jesus is teaching, isn't it in direct opposition to what our society is teaching us today? Yeah. Our society tells us that when somebody has a sin that you think is unforgivable, then it's automatically unforgivable. That there's no growth that can come from that. They can't learn a lesson. They have to be stuck in that mistake forever. I've been so guilty of that. Like, I get to decide which sin is worse than others. Oh, my gosh. Of course. Same. And that's why reading this, it makes you feel kind of like, oh, gosh. God is literally saying, it. they're all the same for me. Yeah. They're all the same. And you are no better than her. And she is no better than you. 
Yeah. Go leave your life of sin. That's what we're called to do. I love, we're making it sound so easy. It's not. <laughs> it's not. I know, right? I was started reflecting on some stories from my past and how some things that used to feel so hard to forgive yeah. now in the future seems so, I don't know, laughable really, even though at the time they hurt so much. And yeah. so it's like, I wonder the things in our adult life that hurt so much and are so hard to forgive. Are we ever going to look back and say, that was ridiculous. You know, I wish that didn't hold me back. And I, and I think the truth is yes, because when we're with Jesus looking back on this life, none of that's going to matter. It just won't. you know. And I think that's really the ultimate story of forgiveness that God is trying to say. He's saying, it's all gone. It doesn't matter. you know. I forgive you and it goes away. It's gone. Yeah. What do you mean? Like things in our past? You know, just like stories from, okay, like my first breakup, for example. You know, I remember being- Oh, well, here class. we go. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I was young. I was like, we're talking I'm like- listening. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> We're talking like seventh grade. I don't know this. I don't know this story. <laughs> and um, and I remember watching my boyfriend pass a note with another girl in class. And and I stayed after well, they threw it in the garbage. So I stayed after class. I got out the note and <laughs> she she asked him, you know, do you still like Ursula? And he said, Not really. Oh <laughs> I love that you got it out of the garbage. I would have done the same thing. <laughs> Seventh grade Ursula, crazy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I gave it back to him the next day. The with, note? Yeah, I just gave it to him and walked away. Well, also, I gave him the head of like a stuffed animal turtle that he gave me. <laughs> what? I don't know what I was trying to communicate in that moment. It's one of those Satan get behind me moments. <laughs> you needed a little Jesus in seventh grade. <laughs> Have you forgiven him? Heck then? no, that kid's a punk. <laughs> Of course I do. That's why it's so funny now, because at the time I was like, I'm never going to get over it. I'm never going to forgive this person for doing this. And that's my point. As you grow and as your perspective widens, so does your understanding of how things played out. And so that's what I meant when I said, you know, when we're in our afterlife, are we going to look back? Just even going through this whole thing with my faith, I think naturally you start to have better feelings towards people and towards things just trying to please God. So you just automatically start losing those bad feelings towards people. You know, that's the like the whole process of sanctification. You know, yeah. when you accept Christ and he changes your heart, that's what that whole process is. He changes your heart in every area. My heart is a work in progress. I When we were going through this, I was like on a whole another wavelength than you. I was like texting people like I need, like, sorry. There was things I needed to be forgiven for that I thought about. It was terrible. And I was really stuck on my daughter, getting forgiveness from my daughter for, you know, past mistakes. There was, um, gosh, this is bad. <laughs> I was driving her to school and I had a big SUV at the time. She had to have been maybe maybe seven, I would guess. But I pulled up in the line. You know, you pull up in the line and the kids get out. So I pull up and it's early. I'm tired, obviously. So she gets out and she's off to school and I drive off and I notice before I even get out of the parking lot, the back door is wide open. She left the door open. Ooh. So I'm frustrated. I have to stop my car. You know, people are there waiting on me. I shut the door and I'm thinking all day, I cannot believe she left the door open. Oh my goodness. I'm going to have a talk with her later. So I go and I pick her up from school and I'm ready. <laughs> and she gets in the car. She's like, mom, you almost killed me. And I was like, what? 
she proceeds to tell me that she fell out of the car that morning <laughs> because I took off before she had gotten out. So she fell. Oh my god! She literally was getting out what? and like fell onto the pavement. She was crying. This is getting really sad. So for whatever reason, this story came to me and I just could not get over it. So I called her and I asked her if she remembered it and she was Im- immediately, yes. She did. She oh. remembered it. All day long. I'm so mad at her. And wow. really, oh my she's goodness. mad at me. I know that's like the whole irony is that you're mad at her over like a fake thing. I know. That's like a and silly she... little thing. But how many times as parents do we, we're oh, human. Gosh. We need forgiveness from these little kids. Well, it sounds like she didn't really forgive you because she still <laughs> held on to it all these years. There's those traumatizing things that have happened in our life that we hold on to. Okay. And that's one of hers. <laughs> I, you know, what was really hard about this episode is that I felt like when we come here, we really want to like vouch for the Bible and keep it what the Bible says. And it is all over the Bible. I mean, the Bible is forgiveness, you know, like God gave his son to sacrifice for our sins for all of us to be forgiven. Yeah. You know, I was stuck on the how, like, how do we help people listening to this? How do we help forgive? So I came up with what has helped me. Awesome. Let's hear it. Let's Let's do it. Let me look at my notes real quick. When I am struggling with somebody, forgiveness or just being irritated with them, whatever, I immediately go to the fact that God loves them also. That's a good point. I've heard I've heard something like that before. Um, and in my Bible study group, they were saying once, you know, any like there's one particular member in my group said, you know, he has a hard time with um, road rage. And but anytime somebody cuts him <laughs> off, you know, he's like, ah, you know, you person who Jesus loved, <laughs> you know, like just remind yourself, like whenever you want to curse that person out, like that's God loves them too. And <laughs> Bless them instead. Just bless them instead. (laughs) Alex really struggles with road rage, so he can relate. (laughs) Alex, no problem. All you have to do is bless them from now on. Yeah, that's problem solved. Yep, hundred (laughs) percent. Um, I also try to remember that whatever they've been through has made them who they are. Like, what circumstance made them behave in the way that they're behaving? That's obviously an issue for you. And here's the thing: forgiveness doesn't mean that you have to keep that person in your life. Yeah. Sometimes it's okay to say, I totally forgive you. You don't have that power over me anymore, but you can't be in my life. Yeah. And then I also pray for them. And I will tell you, your mouth can really affect your mind. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yes. Think about it. If you constantly are praying for someone and wishing them well, it tricks your mind. For me, it tricks my mind, right? Okay. I'm going to try that. From yeah. I'm actually going to take that advice and pray for next time I want to. Is it me that you're having a problem with? <laughs> you pray for me. I mean, I wasn't going to say, but now that you put it out there. It also reminds me of that story in Matthew 18, uh, verse 21 through 22, where Peter you know, says to Jesus, he says, how many times should I forgive? Seven times? You know, and Jesus yeah, says, no, yeah. you know, 77. And what Jesus means, he's not saying if somebody offends you 78 times, you're like off the hook for the 78th apology. He, what he was saying was unlimited, you know, 77, 777, 7,777. He could have kept going. The point being that God has extended that forgiveness to us every time. Yeah. You know, just last week I offended him probably 77 times. Yeah. Right? Like it's unlimited. <laughs> In our world, it's unlimited. He's going to forgive you every single time. You know, it's just understanding that since God does that for us, he calls us to do that too. Yeah. Actually, hold on. I want to look at First Timothy. There was, let me get to it. Hold on. <laughs> you know, your Bible would be easier to hold if you didn't have a thousand pieces of paper stuck in I it. I know. I know. I'm very disorganized for this whole thing. I'm all Pick over this the thing. Point. How do you even carry this? I don't know. I don't know. 
And now I can't see my note and which verse it is. It's fine. It's fine. I'll figure it out. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. So 1 Timothy verse 13. So this is Paul and he's writing to his friend Timothy. So he says, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our God was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and the love that are in Jesus Christ. Sorry, no, that are in Christ Jesus. I'm so bad at reading. You know, it's like this picture of Paul just wholeheartedly accepting Jesus's forgiveness and automatically forgiving himself. Can we bring up Judas? Can we talk about Judas? Do it. (laughs) Because... Talk about Judas. I had researched Judas for a previous episode And what an interesting story. I'm not going to go super deep into it. That's for another time. But I didn't know all of this about Judas. And I thought it was really interesting. And speaking of forgiveness, which we have a question about. Yeah, we have our first audience question today. Yes. But if you don't know, Judas is who betrayed Jesus. He, for 30 pieces of silver, he actually turned Jesus over to the chief priests. And then he felt remorseful. He felt horrible about it. And so he tried to give the money back. They pretty much told him, too bad, so sad. Uh, And he ended up killing himself. And I realized in my research that he was not forgiven. Yeah. So the question is, why didn't God forgive Judas, though Judas obviously felt remorse? Yes. And we're going to share the best answer on our social media page. And so, yeah. Good luck, guys. All right, girlfriend, are you ready for something fun? This whole thing was fun. (laughs) Are you ready for something super fun? Yeah, let's do it. Give me the fact. Give me the super fun fact. Super fun trivia. (laughs) AJ. (laughs) When are you going to get it right, AJ? Get to it. Okay, are you ready? This is so good. This is my favorite one so far. Okay. You say that every time. No, I don't. Do I? I don't know. An astrophysicist named Hugh Ross found over 100 accurate scientific predictions in the Bible that weren't discovered for hundreds of years. Okay, can you name one? Over 100 scientific predictions. No, I cannot. No, (laughs) is that your answer? Is that your final answer? Think science. Gravity. (laughs) <laughs> Wait, hold on. Yeah, gravity's one of them. Is it really? Yeah, you got it. You got Wait, it. Wait, what do you mean one of them? Well, there's over a hundred scientific. Oh, so gotcha. okay, okay, okay. Just to name a few, um, Big Bang cosmology, gravity, Earth suspended in the universe. Fun fact, in the ancient world, they believed that the Earth was carried on the back of a large animal. An elephant? Like, I think they thought a turtle. A tur- <gasps> Did you see my oh, face? Oh my goodness, I didn't even realize. That just made my day. Wow. Full circle. Wow. See, purpose to everything. It really? See what I'm saying? Wow. Dark matter <laughs> is another one. Uh, washing hands removes germs, DNA in our blood, the earth being round, the universe's cooling curve, the expansion of the universe. You were excited for that one. I think it's crazy because he said for so many different Bible authors to accurately predict so many future scientific discoveries, like the chance in that happening would be one chance in 10 to the 300 power i don't even know what that means okay i had to google it do you know what it means you multiply 10 by itself 300 times oh okay and then that final number you have a one in that final number chance meaning the information had to be divine in fact it made him believe in god 
because you're so enthusiastic with your hands. I wish people could see you right now. <laughs> but yeah, it made him believe in God. Isn't that cool? Because he did it at first because he was like, no, science and God don't make sense. And then after reading the Bible, he said he spent four hours on the first page of Genesis alone. Let me quickly look up the name of his book because I had it written down, but I forgot it. Um, oh my, do you want to know what the last Google search I had was? What? <laughs> can, e- can eating too much chocolate kill you? <laughs> chocolate are you eating (laughs) okay his book is called hidden treasures in the book of job uh by hugh ross and he talks about that and other um scientific discoveries that are located in the bible speaking of credibility for the bible our next episode i am so excited i i've been waiting so long to talk about our next episode i feel like this was the argument that kind of did it for me yes i cannot wait so the next episode is called lord loon or liar we're gonna look at the person of jesus christ and we're gonna decide is why is he credible yeah why is he credible is he who he claimed to be and we're going to dissect it, and it's going to be a blast. I'm so We've already excited. started researching and found some really cool stuff, and we've talked about it, and it's going to be good. And I want to introduce our testimony for this episode. My friend Lynn did a testimony, and I have to say it's so real. It's so raw. It's so good. And it really is an example of, you know, when you submit to God, He really takes your bad, and He turns it for good. You know, and her story is the perfect example of that. And yeah, enjoy. Around the time I turned 50, I was living what looked like the perfect life. My husband of 25 years and I had a dream home, jobs we loved, and were beginning the empty nesting phase of life. My two sons were successful kids who had great grades, ridiculous amounts of friends, and excelled in many sports and clubs in high school and now college. It felt like we knew everyone in our town and always had an invite for something fun to do. Everything seemed perfect, at least from the outside. But from the inside, there were little tears everywhere, like cracks that just kept widening. My husband was angry all the time and drinking a lot. And meanwhile, my kids were struggling with anxiety issues while parting out of control at college. I started going to church again, looking for answers and peace. I'd always been a believer, but I never had that perfect relationship that everyone talks about. And at the time, I can't really explain it, but it felt as though God was pursuing me. And I saw that message everywhere. In fact, it was even the title of a sermon series at church. But when I went to church, the sermons were always about how in life we will have troubles, and I really didn't want to hear that. I wanted God to be powerful and fix it fast. Things were getting abusive and out of control at home, and I didn't understand why God didn't just heal it for me. Instead, I found out in a very painful way that my husband was having a long-term affair and had checked out of our marriage long before, and that was the beginning of a string of losses. My marriage my family and my life like I knew it, and even my home. I was cut off financially and forced to move into a dumpy fixer-upper condo that my son nicknamed Baghdad. Then I found out many people I considered friends were gossiping about us, and it was humiliating. My sons at school worried all the time about me, and they wanted to come home, but I knew with my one son's anxiety he might not go back. So I pretended that I was just great, and I made them stay at school, which made me even more lonely. I went to church for counseling, and I remember telling my small group, at least I have a job I love and my loyal dog. A month later, I was laid off, and my dog died. 
It was surreal. My counselor said that God was the vine and I was the branch and I needed to cling tightly to him. She gave me scriptures to strengthen me and I dove into the Bible for the first time in my life. I remember memorizing God's promise in Isaiah 66, 9. I will not cause pain without allowing something new to be born, says the Lord. Another scripture I leaned into was John 10.10. I have come that you should have life and have it more abundantly. I found a lot of hope in these verses and God's word. I trusted them and him, and I found peace in that trust. Whenever I needed something, I would give it to God and wait. And he provided over and over and over again. People, experiences, and even miracles. I got a new job I absolutely loved, even more than my last one. With the help of a friend, I turned my dumpy condo into this gorgeous little home. When my sons came back at Christmas and saw it, they were shocked. My youngest said, I'm so proud to have a mom that makes ugly things beautiful. And that's what God does. He gives beauty for ashes. The respect and love that my kids gave me that holiday meant so much to me. And my attitude grew to joy. And my relationship with God flourished after that. One day, sitting at a table with my pile of bills all alone in my tiny little home, I realized I was happier than I'd ever been in my life, and I praise God for that. Looking back, I think sometimes that maybe God had to take away everything just to be alone with me, with the busy life I had and all the distractions, and it was only in that lonely time that I could know the kind of joy that only comes from knowing Him personally as my Savior. If this episode moved you, feel free to like, subscribe, and share, and join us every other Thursday. Also, if you'd like to share your testimony, please email us at info at And as always, may God bless you. And may the Spirit fill you.